I'm David S. Dawson from the Intellectual Podcast, a show that spotlights creatives from all walks of life, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredibly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to a new Better Podcasting live chat. I am Steven in the Canadian headquarters, and with me is SP not in the American headquarters. But I'm still in America. Yes, At least the last I checked. I don't know. I did drive a fair bit north. (laughs) Yeah, if SP sounds different, it's because he he is doing this from his lake getaway, where we all would love to be right now. He is there. And he is having a good time, which is surprising that he decided to take a break from that good time to bring himself down by podcasting with me. It's very odd. Well, in truth, there was a lot of chainsawing involved today. And Uh, I just had to stop at some point or otherwise my hands would just keep on vibrating throughout the night. Uh, By the way, I for the first time ever, I believe, for a better podcasting live chat show, I'm not alone in the studio. (gasps) I I have company. Now, you can't see him, but Puppy Cooper is right down there. He is sleeping. He is there. So if he gets up and makes some noise during the podcast, we're just going to leave that in as a special effect for this particular episode. You know, I have to say, your camera is different. You've podcast from that that space before, and I'm noticing to your over your right shoulder, there is also a uh over your right shoulder there is also a a seems to be a bathroom or something like that i'm not sure is if there there seems to be a gateway to somewhere i'm going to assume that's your editing bay is that correct (laughs) so there in truth this is my brother-in-law's office okay and it is the guest room for people that come in and transient and stuff like that and for purposes of this that's me so this is the bed slash duvet or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that is the closet, which I have closed. And then behind my head is a door to a hallway when that wall behind me does lead to the restroom. So I would have to go out that hall and in. And then over my left shoulder, there's another door and that leads out to the main hallway, which leads to the door to go outside. It is one of those barn doors. It's on a track on the outside. So it's not really soundproof at all. Like, If you're sleeping, you can hear anything going on in the kitchen or anything that's happening upstairs. So uh, my father, who is here right now, has decided to grace us with silence by going fishing. Yes, that's right. He went fishing. What? what, You're going to pocket? I'm just going to go fishing. I'm like, ooh, you really know how to stick me in the back (laughs) with that dagger, don't you? Well, since you are there doing end of summer activities, I think that those are very representative of the things that people do in summer. You're hitting the lake, you're going fishing, you're doing all these things. Can I can I tell you a little bit about what, no word of a lie, I was doing after my work day today? Uh, you were, I don't know, uh, in the hot tub? No, I was working on my Christmas display. No, of course. <laughs> I, I'm not exaggerating. I'm tinkering with some uh, new smart stuff that I like last year, I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll order it over the course of the year and play with it. And then it's September and I'm like, wait, if you want to implement this stuff, you should have done this a long time ago. So now I'm frantically trying to get it all figured out. But uh, yeah, so I, I was tinkering with that after. So I can say while you were lakeside fishing, I was tinkering with Christmas lights. I'm not surprised at all. As a matter of fact, Christmas is going to, well, it's going to seem like Christmas here pretty soon, which is why I'm up here. This is the short period of time that you get between summer and really winter. I was going to say late fall, but winter where you can actually do stuff. So I am chainsawing. I am doing stuff outside. I am preparing the place for winter, trying to winterize it as much as we can, just doing the annual chores as much as we can just you know as a family we get together and this is one of my chores that i get to do one or two weeks out of the year and i get to spend time with my dad and anybody else that happens to come up here so it's pretty cool anyway this is a very unique podcast for me because we've threatened this for quite some time now (laughs) like a year basically is what we threatened it for the last time i was up here we podcasted and i 
thought I had the machine that was going to do everything. It was the Zoom H8. It did not work as advertised because, and we even, I even approached Zoom and asked them the question, can you use the device as an audio interface and record on the device, which is how I would need to use it in this situation. And they came back and said, yeah, no. And I was like, oh my gosh. So it has a podcast mode on it, but it, the podcast mode is just for a static. I'm going to record it in my studio. There was no audio interface capability to it while you're recording. And it just failed, failed miserably for what I would want to use it for. And for what I think a lot of hobby podcasters would want to use it for it. Uh, it, it is an incredible device, has eight plugins for microphones. Some are the the jacks that have the combo jacks with the quarter inch and the XLR, some are just XLR jacks, everything. It's, it is actually, it, it, you take the H6, you put it on steroids, you get the H8. It's a good overall device, uh, just not for use for how I wanted to podcast. So since then, delved into the pocketbook and we purchased a couple of packs, uh, Zoom podcasting packs, basically. And it came with the headphones, the Zoom microphone, which I don't have with me today, but it did have the Zoom H4 or P4 in it, the Zoom P4, which I have the box right here in my hand. I'm actually using it to record here. So I am actually for the first time in a year since we threatened to do this <laughs> using the pod track P4. Steven, how do I sound? Uh, you sound great. Uh, it's, it's awesome because you are recording on a decent recording device. You have multi-track capability. And best of all, you don't have some Mickey Mouse way to get that audio over to me while we're live streaming. So I, I am so impressed right now. And yeah, it's it's also powering enough gain to use your roadcaster, your road procaster microphone. <laughs> so it's great that you can actually use that as well. I personally think you should have brought the uh, RE320, but hey, you know what? Uh, I can understand why you didn't want to disconnect that. <laughs> yeah, basically it was staying on the stand, the microphone stand back in the studio. I wasn't taking that, but I did take the Samsung Q2U with right. me. I took the Audio-Technica AT2005 with me. The 2005 is usually the microphone I take when I'm traveling. I do have the Q2U in my bag as a backup now, or if somebody else wants to podcast with me or, or something like that, I have those two. But this time I also did take a Sennheiser MD 46. I have six of them and I took one of them. I also took the Rode pod mic and then I took the Rode Procaster. Part of the reason I took all these microphones is that I thought, well, I'm going to have it four tracks possibly. So maybe I'll do a mic shootout on this trip. Unfortunately, it didn't quite work out that way which is why I chose to use the best microphone I brought, which is the Rode Procaster. Now, if I was on an airplane traveling from one place to another, then I probably wouldn't have brought this many mics. Definitely not the Rode Procaster because I don't have a carrying case for it. I actually had to pack it in a carry-on bag separately uh, packed with, with other things to keep it nice and safe. So anyway, this is the microphone that I chose to use because it's the best microphone that I have with me. I do have other microphones as well. And by the way, for those watching on our YouTube video or, or Twitch or wherever you've seen the video, here is the PodTrack B4. As you can see, it is active. It is running. In comparison, here is the Zoom H5, which I also brought with me just in case the P4 mm. didn't work because I had never used it before. Like maybe something broke on it or maybe it just came broke or something like that. No, it, it's working fine. So we are using that, but it's a bit wider. It's about as tall without the extra uh, capsule on it, but it is relatively still small. I think it's portable. I think it's good to go there. Uh, before we get more in depth in the P4, because I do want to get more in the depth in the P4, I, I want to talk about the rest of my gear because it's been a while since I've been mobile and podcasting. And I would say a year. I think that's the last time I podcast on the road. The, September of last year, I think. Right, Stephen, to your best of your knowledge? I don't remember any other time. Okay. So I have the Audio-Technica ATH M40X in my bag. Unfortunately, it suffered the Audio-Technica ear pad degradation since I used it the last time about a year ago. They were completely unusable. If I would put it on my face right now, it would be completely black splotted with the flex coming off the false letter 
flex coming off the ear pads. So I'm going to definitely need to replace those ear pads. I did order them. They will be shipped to my house, so I won't get them until I get home. In lieu of that, I am using what I travel with, my Bose QC25s, which I got on sale once the 35 started coming out. So I have those and I'm using those. Uh, they're not a studio monitoring headphone, but they're the best headphones I have in lieu of the M40X. So I'm using those. I did order a P4 case. Now, again, it's not going to come until I get home. I did try to have it delivered here, but it just would not come until I left. So the P4 does not come with a carrying case. And that I think is an issue with the P4. So I did order one. You can get them on Amazon relatively cheaply. There is a very expensive one at Sweetwater, I think $65 or something like that. But I just went with a cheaper case off of Amazon. Uh, I also thought I had a TRRS cable with me. I do not. So I ordered one to put in my bag. And the reason why I ordered one is you can actually use a mobile device to con as an additional connection. You can not only play stuff from the mobile device into the recorder, but you can actually use it like if you were on a call with somebody you could use it that way well you either need the bluetooth capability which i do not have it's the bta2 uh, external connector or you need a trrs connection and i don't have one with me so i ordered one i also in order to connect it to my computer it does not come with any sort of usb cord so i had a couple of usb-c to USB-A's, you know, the regular USB that a lot of us have been using for a long time. I had one of those cords in the car, so I, sca I scavenged that, and I'm using that to connect to my computer, which is all good. I, I wish the P4 would have come with that cord, but it didn't. It was really bare bones. I still can't complain for the price, but it was bare bones in there without Bluetooth and without the cable. Also, it did not come with an SD card. Like you got like a two gigabyte SD card with all the other Zoom stuff that comes out. Well, this didn't come with anything. I did order a 64 gigabyte SD card a couple of weeks ago for this particular purpose, thinking I had two gigabytes. So this would be the backup. No, this is the prime. So I use that. Can I just and, say, by the way, that I actually yeah. like that better. I think that when they give you, whether it's digital cameras or audio equipment, they give you an SD an SD card that is functionally useless like you can maybe do 10 minutes of recording of multi-track I think that it's such a disservice because people are like all right let me get going wait a minute I only have 10 minutes of audio recording or oh I can only take 30 pictures like I think that uh I would rather see them do this and not include them than give a way too small one yeah and then also I in the last trip that I took that I remember was to move my son in December. I know I went to Nashville a couple of weeks ago, but that's the last one that I took any sort of uh, devices to or anything. The trip to Nashville, I intentionally went without anything except for my phone. And I found that I had lost my travel router, which here at the lake home is no big deal. We have Wi-Fi here. There's hardwired all over the place. And I'm hardwired in now, by the way, but there's ways to connect. But if I needed to use that travel router, and we've explained the benefits of a travel router before, maybe, Stephen, you want to take a, a short sidetrack into that. But I found my travel router before I came. Of course, that was after I ordered a replacement. So, oh. But I, I do have both now. So uh, in case something happens or... The newer one is actually better. It's the 750 versus the 300. So I might try that out. I, I don't have it hooked up yet. I didn't unbox it or anything, but I did bring it just in case that other one didn't work. And I have no idea what happened to that. Like I was looking for months for it. And then I, I like emptied out my entire bag a couple of times, did not find it. And then all of a sudden I emptied out the bag before I came here to take the bare minimum up here. And it was in there. So it's like, Somebody's either playing a trick on me or I just I must have found it and put it in the bag. I have no idea what happened. Anyway, I found it. So I have it. I'm going to guess that maybe a kid borrowed it and then snuck it back in. Oh, dad's not traveling. You won't notice it. 
Maybe that, that could be. I don't think any of them would know what a travel router is, but I don't know. Maybe oh, my you, ru- you ruined it. I was just about to make a joke. See, look, SB, you really taught them well with their tech knowledge that they knew to steal your travel router. Well, my son, who has not been home in a while, might have known, or my future son-in-law, I'm gaining in October, will might have known how to use one. I don't know. Anyway, and they did travel. So maybe, maybe I have to talk to him about that. Uh, The other benefit of traveling here in particular is my upload is vastly increased. So at home, I get like 400 down, but I only get like 15 up, maybe 25 up. I forget what it is here. It's 250 down. So it's not 400, but I think 250 is well in the realm of what you need for even video podcasting. But the up speed is 100 versus the 15 or 25 or whatever I have. It's incredibly more. It's fiber here. And I'll bet you we could even go to simultaneous gig up and down, but I'm not paying that bill. So <laughs> it's 250 down, 100 up. Pretty cool. I like that very much. As a matter of fact, Stephen, made a couple of uh, modifications before we went live. I did, yeah. So when we're using the video ninja to get our streams together here, uh, usually I have to set... Well, you do. You go and you set how much you want to pull, how much download speed I want to take from... Well, uh, SP's upload downloading to me. So basically, how much quality do I want of his video stream? So usually I cap that at 35 megabits per second just because I know he has some people there that are sending some stuff out in his house. And if I pull too much, then all of a sudden we're going to have problems where he doesn't have a big enough pipe to push his video through. And then he's probably going to have angry people being like, why is nothing working? Or he'll start to cut out and whatnot. But this time we decided to pull a full 10 megabits per second. Full disclosure, Video Ninja might cap it under that, but uh, we we are significantly trying to pull more just because we could. <laughs> That's right. Just, let's try it. Let's see it. Let's make sure that SP doesn't look robotic or washed out or anything like that. Uh, also, unfortunately, I don't have a noise gate active right now, and I'm not using the Sennheiser MD46, which might uh, noise gate it out. I don't know. But you can obviously hear my laptop fan if you're listening to this live. Hopefully, Stephen will take it out and post. But uh, we have a laptop fan issue. And yeah, there's nothing I can do with about that except for buy a new laptop, like one of the new Apple M1s. And there's no fan in there. Or get one without a fan. So it's what you're stuck with. So... Uh, we'll just fix it and post another aspect to even if you're doing live like we do here on Better Podcasting Live Chat, you can all you can just throw an effect on the track and then take it out and post. So, Stephen, are you ready for the PodTrack P4 pros and cons? I am looking forward to this because I have a P4 that is sitting right in a bench over to my right that I have only <laughs> taken out of the box to do an unboxing. <laughs> Right, which is why you will not see an SP unboxing video because Steven's already done it. And they're they're literally the same. They were bought at the same time. So here we go. I love the ability to record and use it as an audio interface at the same time, or as we say in rocket science, simultaneously. Yes, I am able to do all that, which makes it incredibly useful. I don't have to use a Samsung Q2U to go out via XLR to the recorder and via USB to the computer and then use that USB microphone driver in the computer, which is never really great. I have the ability to do a gain uh, boost with the track on the preamp on the P4. So I like this capability. It makes it entirely functional. It is the lowest cost multifunctional device for podcasting. It was made for podcasting, and this is what makes it for me to be the ultimate device for a hobby podcaster. Another pro is it does have a total of four XLR inputs, which is better than the H5, which I normally took as a mobile recorder, which only has two. And even if I took the H6, really only has four inputs, I don't know how I was going to get those four inputs into the computer without using some sort of you go out the uh, the line out and into back into the computer that way or something like that. It's just it's kind of hokey the way that you would have to do that with this. You get four XLR inputs 
and you don't have to fool around with anything. It's just four inputs direct via USB into a computer or any other device that you want to hook it into. Like if I wanted to hook it into my iPhone, I could do it that way. I could do the USB-C into a lightning port into the iPhone and use it that way. Uh, I also like the fact that it has an onboard sound pads and it records to a separate channel. We'll talk about all the channels in a second, but it does have four sound pads that you can record to a separate channel. And it does have four headphone jacks. No splitter is required and everybody gets their own volume that's right there inherent on the device. And if you were going to, if I was going to go to say podcast movement and I want, I saw three of my buddies and I wanted just to record us getting together. Hey, how's your podcast movement going? What's the best things that you see here or whatever, which I'm not going to do because I'm not going to go to podcast movement <laughs> next year. But I don't know. Let's say San Diego Comic-Con or C2E2 or Dragon Con. I think Dragon Con went on this past weekend down in Atlanta. So say it's something like that, right? right? I can easily use this to do that, which is great. And then everybody can monitor themselves. So if they're too far away from the microphone and you're not really hearing them all that much, you can say, hey, look, you need to get closer to the microphone, or since they're experienced podcasters, they will hear that and they will know to get closer to the microphone. Alternative suggestion. Why don't you just start traveling with four pairs of headphones and just wear them all while you're recording? Just me? Yeah. Four, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I do. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the multi-track recording. It has four, the P4 has four XLR inputs. So XLR input one and two are basically microphones, which you can select. There's a physical selector in there, which you can choose either dynamic or condenser microphone. The condenser microphone will provide phantom power to it. That's the difference between those two settings. I have mine set to dynamic because I don't really own any condenser microphone. Well, I do, but I'm not ever going to take them with me. Microphone three, you can choose dynamic or condenser. And here's where it gets fun. You can choose the Bluetooth or the TRS input, and they show it as like a mobile device in there, but it's either through the Bluetooth or the TRS, one or the other. I right now have my iPad mini hooked into that using just a normal 3.5 millimeter connection with two male connections on both ends. So I have it in a generic backpack studio and I have three sounds that it just booted up with. So here we go. The clapping goes on a little bit long, I think. All right. So I can play that all on my device and that's going into microphone three. Microphone four input or the XLR four input, you have the dynamic or condenser and here's the other thing, you can do the USB, whether that's from your computer or mobile device or anything like that. So it's either a microphone or the USB. Right now I have it selected to USB, so I'm recording Steven as it's coming in. So those are the four XLR inputs. There's actually two other things that are recorded as you're recording. One is the onboard soundtrack, which I have not changed. These are just the sounds that have come with it. Ooh, that's short. You hold it as long as you want the applause. Uh, I see. Yeah, I yeah. see. Yes. All right. So that's what you have. Those are the four inputs on the sound pad. Those go to a separate track. Now, you also get a combined track with everything on it. And that is stereo and the sound pad is stereo. And then if you choose microphone four as the USB, that is stereo. Otherwise, everything else is mono. So it's a true multi-track recorder. You get everything, whether you want it or not. You get all the tracks every time. Question for you. Quest. What does the P stand for in P4? I'm guessing podcaster. Oh, okay. Well, that, I don't know. I just I thought I'd stump you on that, but you had a good answer. All right. Well, let's talk <laughs> another P thing. We'll we'll talk about power options. So you can power it with two AA batteries. Although I've heard that that soaks up the power really quick. So you only get a couple hours of, of recording if you're doing that. It also has a USB-C input that you can plug into a wall or maybe uh, one of those portable batteries that you can plug it into. I didn't either yet because it is being powered from my computer on the other USB-C in, which is the other way to power it. But I think this makes it proof of power going out and 
you can record it while you're mobile. Like if you did have a battery pack, you can plug it in and you could power it that way. So I think the power options here are very flexible and will keep you going as long as you want it, as long as you have battery to power it. I have to say, I didn't realize it was USB-C. Yeah, I didn't either, which is why I had to scavenge the USB-C cord from my car to come in here. I do have another one, so I could actually be powering it on the battery. I just didn't go that far. I, I have a limited amount of time here. I was chainsawing today. I didn't want to chainsaw the cord. <laughs> so the price when this came out was about $200. It's gone up about $20, so it's about $220, $230, something like that in America. And I'm guessing it's about $250 in Canada. That's just a guess, though. For the price, this is an amazing piece of gear. It's a pro in my, so these are all pros so far. So that's, that's a pro. And then there is a file transfer capability. So you put the device in file transfer mode and you can actually read the SD card from your computer. I don't know how that would work on a mobile device because I haven't tried it, but for the computer stuff, that is so much of a pro. So I don't have to pop out the SD card and put it in my computer right now. That's what I do on a per podcast episode basis using my H6 at home. And then that's what I've been doing all along using my H5 here on the road is I've been taking the SD card out and I've been um, plugging it in. Are there ways to read the SD card on both of those? Yes. I just have chosen not to because it's not really that intuitive. With this, it's a couple of buttons and bingo, you're you're in it. So I like that. Um, Steven, you found the price in Canada, didn't you? I did, yes. It's around the 269, 279 mark. A bunch of the main um music centers and stuff have it for 279. And some of the bigger stores like Amazon and Best Buy have it for 269. So it's somewhere in that realm. Okay. I still think for that price, yeah. it's an amazing deal in Canada or the United States. It, like if the United States had went up that, I think it would still be okay. But if it went to 270 in the United States, then in Canada, it'd be like 350 right. or something like that. So that would be, eh, I don't know, getting to the point of why. So let's talk about some of the cons that I've noticed so far. So first of all, I know this was talked about when this device first came out. There's no combo jacks in it. Is that really an issue? Well, let's talk about why I would use it. First of all, if you wanted to use it in your home studio, I could use some sort of digital processing device like a DBX286S that comes out with a quarter inch jack and I could put that into this device. If I wanted to use it in my home studio, use a noise gate on it and that sort of thing, I don't think I would bring be bringing a DBX286S on the road. I'm sure people have, I just am not going to do that. So yeah, that's, that's a trade-off whether you really need it or not. The other thing is if I wanted to go out 3.5 millimeter out of my um, soundboard, whatever that is, uh, Android phone, uh, an iPhone, an iPad, a tablet of some nature, and then do the Y connector jacks into the two X or the two quarter inch, like left and right, and I'd have no place to put them in. However, why would I need to do that? Because I can go out like I'm doing right now go into the TRRS jack, and then it records in stereo. So I think that's a, not too much of a con, but I'm sure somebody would think of it in terms of a con. Uh, if I was going to replace my H6 at home, which I, I could, I was thinking about it, I would need that combo jack in order to go ahead with it. And it does, doesn't have one. You can so do other... an adapter just to, to make sure everybody knows that. Okay. Then, and I only know that because... I've used them before. Um, I've bought cables before that are one on one end, one on the other. And, and you just, there are some challenges that can sometimes come up, but I am using one for the Rodecaster Pro right now. Um, I do have an adapter for that purpose. Okay. Uh, so the other thing that I wanted to say, it only has four sound pads. I would need more for a full Legends of Shield podcast, just a couple more, but I would still need like two or three more and I don't have them. So I would have to make do with those four sound pads, which is, is doable. It's all limitation, right? But if you're used to having a full soundboard with like Backpack Studio or whatever your soundboard is, then it is a little limiting. Uh, also, the record is, is really all or nothing for the track. So if you had a limited amount of space left on your SD card with the H5 or the H6, I could just deselect some tracks and not record them. Well, with this, it's all or nothing, at least that I've been able to find. So 
it is a detriment, you have to watch how much time is left on your SD card because it does tell you how much time is left before you press record how much you had. I had using all five tracks, I had like 20, almost 21 hours with the 64 gigabyte card. So you have space when you start with a 64 gigabyte card, which are only $10 now. So it's not too bad. Also, you can only select one recording file type. It's wave, it's 44.1 kilohertz and 16 bit. Not bad, but if you wanted to do more, you couldn't. So I'll just put that in the con because as an experienced podcaster, I would want more, but for your average hobby podcaster, I think it's fine. There's limited processing available. So the Roadcaster Pro has a ton of stuff that you can throw in there and it's noise gate, AFAX, digital processing. You can select which microphone that you're using. You get none of that with the P4. All you get is you get a low cut filter and you get a limiter on each track and you can select those to be on or off. I think it inherently comes on. Uh, but again, for this price, it, that's fine. I can do other things in post, or I can learn to do other things in post as a hobby podcaster. So I think the limited processing is a con for somebody that's a seasons user, but for just something that's mobile, which I'm not going to have all that stuff available, like a Roadcaster Pro would be huge on my desktop right now. I wouldn't have, I put a picture of my desktop on our discord server, which you can find at betterpodcasting.com slash discord. There is no space for that big of a device here, or I would have to dramatically rearrange stuff. So again, I think it's fine for the space and for what I'm using for. Steven, what do you think? I, I think in all fairness to the Rodecaster Pro, you could just go and buy that uh, road travel case. Oh, sorry. It was never released. <laughs> so the other thing I will say about the Zoom P4, it has no attachment capability to it. Like with the H5 and the H8 and the H6, they all come with this Zoom patented, I don't even know what to call it. It's it's a connector that only the Zooms use and all their capsules can go into it. Well, there's no such connector like that on the P4. So I will say that's a con because I can't use it as a shotgun microphone. I can't use an XY microphone. It has no inherent microphone, which all the other road or zoom stuff has at least an inherent microphone that it comes with. Uh, this does not, and it doesn't have the capability to use it as anything like that. You'd have to buy a, a microphone to be a shotgun microphone or an XY microphone or whatever. You cannot connect that to here. So I will say that's a con if you're used to other zoom devices, which I am. So that's it. That's the pros and the cons. And if you take a look at what I said for all the pros and the cons, the cons aren't that bad. The pros are pretty good. I think this is more swaying into, holy crap, this is an amazing device for anybody, especially a hobby podcaster. Longtime listeners of Better Podcasting probably know that for a while there, for a couple of years, I was having to go away every, I don't know, basically once a month sort of thing. And that was for work. And I had some really weird setups in order to be able to keep streaming like we did and send the audio in. And it was Adapter City. I, I thought I had the bag of adapters actually coincidentally right here, but I don't. But uh, there was a ton of adapters that I had to carry in order to do that. This I wish existed back then. I would have bought it in a heartbeat. It would have made things so much simpler. And I think that four is pretty reasonable for a, for a condensed unit. I think, though, where you will start to see people who are have issues are trying to do not travel with it. And I know we've had actually a listener talk about how they had to buy a second one as well. So I, I can see that. But for, you know, just a few people all together or traveling, I, I think it's wonderful. And I can't wait to actually get your audio recording and play with it in post because I'm only hearing the live version, which is sounding different. And we did have Johnny Pennington actually make a comment in the chat. He said that you sound a bit more bassy. It could be the mic more syllabins from him now as well. Here's the thing as right now, I'm only hearing you after Video Ninja is doing some audio gating and some noise removal and things like that on the fly. I can't wait to get your raw track and hear how it is and, and use some real plugins 
to uh, to work with it. I'm excited. I, I think that this is probably going to be one of the best sounding um, combination of after the show production and uh, in stream because usually we're doing something between the two of us to to try to get our audio in for the live stream at the same time, record at full quality. And, and normally that means using uh, a, a HER2100 or an AT2005 or a Q2U to be able to do the USB out and the XLR simultaneously. And, and so having a real microphone, an XLR microphone there into this device with the USB going in, it's just great for what we do here with the live stream. Absolutely. So that is my trip here with the gear that I'm using now. Uh, truthfully, this is a year in the making and we should have had something like this out a year ago, but neither of us were really traveling or podcasting when we were traveling. So this is the first chance that we had when we were actually mobile. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I finally had a chance to do it. So Stephen, you had a bit of news to talk about this week, too. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to mention, I came across this article today that apparently Vox Media is acquiring the Hot Pod newsletter. Now, I wanted to mention this because we've briefly heard about Hot Pod here and there. Uh, I was disappointed the first time I heard about Hot Pod because I kind of trail out when SP speaks and I thought he was saying Hot Pocket. And so then I was a little disappointed when he said Hot Pod. But uh, I, I thought this was interesting because Vox Media is quite a larger group, and you might know them having the tech website, The Verge. So interesting to see that that same parent company is acquiring the Hot Pod independent news outlet, which is focused on podcasting. Interesting to see, and um, I'm curious what sort of money they'll throw at it and what sort of relationships they might use from the Verge to help really get Hot Pod to be like the go-to podcasting news source or something like that. Hot Pod, from my experience, has one been very business focused, which is fine. That's fine to have. Uh, I we prefer more agnostic news for independents, hobbyists, and business podcasters all all in one. But they've been solely focused on the business podcasting, and in matter of fact, they've been solely focused on like the New York business podcasting, not the independents either. I'm talking about like corporations, mm. which is fine again, but it hasn't been something that I have really taken a look into. Also, there were some biases in the coverage, particularly from Nick Qua, which is, I think their main contributor. I don't know who the other contributors are to hot pod right now, but he definitely had focuses that he wanted to focus on and he admitted it and okay, that's fine. I, I get your bias and, and that's fine that hot pot is doing those coverage because that's what you want to do. I'm wondering if the verge will take that and run with it or if the verge would want to get more podcasting altruistic, like put in iHeartMedia coverage in there, you know, put in Spotify coverage, put in the, the big corporations as well as what the, medium-sized corporations are doing like Libsyn. They just done a bunch of acquisitions. So is Libsyn in there? Is, is um, uh, Blueberry in there? Whatever the parent company is to that. I, I don't know what they're going to, is Spreaker going to be part of that in Box Media? I don't know what they're going to cover and what they're not going to cover, but having it be part of the Verge definitely tells you it's going to be bigger coverage or at least more mainstream coverage. Maybe that's it. More mainstream coverage. So, I just want to we'll clarify a couple things just with what you said there. So technically it's Vox Media that's that's acquiring them. We don't know for sure there will be a crossover with The Verge. I was just mentioning The Verge because Vox Media owns The Verge. Okay. So we, we don't know. They could treat them independently. And then the second thing as well is um, I think maybe, maybe I misheard, but just to clarify, Spreaker is not owned by Vox Media. They're owned by Vox Nest. So yes, it's so different. So yes. um, just in case, I, I don't know how that all came across there. I just wanted to mention that because there was a couple of boxes mentioned. Yeah, you know, I haven't been drinking, but I've been chainsawing <laughs> all day. So maybe the fumes got to me. Yeah, we'll just go, we'll just go with that. Um, I also wanted to talk about two other things here. First of all, is my Wi-Fi at home right before the pandemic 
for those long-term listeners of Better Podcasting, you know that I switched my Wi-Fi network over to a um, a, a distributed network, the Eero network, which is part of the Amazon family of systems. I had the Eero Pro 5s, which were the latest and greatest you could get at the time. And I got them before prices went sky high. I got them before everybody realized they needed to have these Wi-Fi networks capable of being so that they could work at home, they could go to school at home, that sort of thing. I had a total of six of them in my house, so I bought two three-packs, and that served my house pretty well. Well, recently, my Wi-Fi or my internet kept being a little wonky, and I wasn't quite sure what that was. I thought my surveillance system had gone bad, but that wasn't the case. And then I it started happening more often and I was able to isolate it to the main Eero 5 Pro hub to my house. And what is the main hub? When it comes from the modem, it has to go to a node first. That is the primary node. That is the node that feeds all the other nodes. And that one was going bad. I have my speculations on why it went bad. I had it placed right on top of an eight port switch so the heat might have gotten to it. I don't know if like the massive use it was getting went to it. I tend to think it's the heat that made something go bad over time because it was just being cooked constantly every day. So I ordered a Eero 6 Pro node, just one. I didn't order any of the packs or anything. These things are expensive, people. This just one node was $230. If I got a three pack, it would have been $600. A two pack would have been $200. The Eero node system is made so you can replace any node at any time. And then you just tell the app what node you're replacing and it replaces that node. So you can conceivably go down. I don't know why you would, would other than maybe not might not be able to source one, maybe not be able to afford a full replacement. I was able to go up one. So my main node for my house is a six where all the others are fives. The replacement was so easy. I literally plugged it in. I looked in the app. I did a replacement in the app and boom, it was up and running in less than 30 seconds. This was just amazing. I will let everybody know how it goes over time. Like if that wasn't the issue, if the issue was something else, like maybe the the software in general or something like that, I will know. But I'm not home right now. I replaced it hours before <laughs> I left. So I really don't. I can't tell you long term how it went, but it was incredibly easy. And I'm very thankful for that. Expensive, but really easy. I'm looking forward to a better Wi-Fi experience when I get home. That node there is what connects to your actual modem, right? Yes, that connects a hard line connection via the Cat 5 cable or whatever it is, the Ethernet cable yeah. connects to my modem to that one. And then if I had a Ethernet backbone in my house, I, I would go out from that to the backbone, right. but I, I don't. So that acts as the central Wi-Fi hub for all the other nodes to connect to. So, yeah, there's two things I wanted to point out with the number one, 100% of your internet traffic is funneling through that node. Maybe that's all it was that killed it. But the second thing is, I think that that's great that you have increased the main node because now if you end up, and now we're getting really techie here. Now, if you end up, say, upgrading another node that is to the Wi-Fi 6 spec, you know that that will funnel through to your internet through that, that that proper spec. However, if you were a podcaster, say that upgraded a, that wasn't as well educated and upgraded a satellite node, and then there was another Wi-Fi six node connecting through that. Well, at some point they're probably going to convert back to Wi-Fi five to get all the way back. So, so I like the, that you've replaced your main node with the higher node first. So it's cool. Uh, and I wanted to get all techie because I think a lot of podcasters don't always think through the Wi-Fi because they don't necessarily have the technology. And and I, there's no fault of their own, but I've seen this happen time and time again. People are like, I, I got five, five bars of Wi-Fi here. I, I don't know what's going on. Everything's just cutting out. And meanwhile, they've just put a booster in along the way. So they're not able to stream through full quality because where that booster is that they're getting the five bars from is getting a poor signal. So here you've gone and right at the source replaced it with the best node. So I like it. I wanted to get techie. It, 
<laughs> in truth, if I was going to re- have to replace another node, I would have put that six at my as my main node, and yeah. I would have taken that main node and replaced one of the bad satellite nodes. But it was that node to begin with. So, and we often say, be prepared to um, either replace or modernize your system with Wi-Fi every two to four years, basically. And this was short of that. It was 18 months, give or take. And yeah, I I could see that how that might've been an issue. But if I was literally cooking it, I'm bad on me and I should have had some uh, air spacing, whatever. They are not on top of each other. So I didn't put the six (laughs) right back on top of the node. They're, they're spaced apart now. And uh, because of the extra weight of the Eero six pro, I was able to put it there and and it not be pulled from the cords or, or stuff like that. So yeah, because it impacted better podcasting than the live recording that we did last week, I wanted to mention that here. So I have, hopefully solve that issue now before you get to that because i know where you're going let's run down some of the chat room feedback before we get to a little special treat that sp has prepared for everybody today uh in our chat as if everything so far (laughs) hasn't been a special treat right (laughs) for sure uh right off the bat we actually had johnny pennington asking about your father uh he said i hope that your father is fully recovered from his accident keep that chainsaw away from your dad and this was in reference to what you talked about on the show before how for episode 250 of Better Podcasting, we had to have fake SP because it was actually 249A was what we called it uh, because SP had to go away for an emergency. So uh, you mentioned your dad in the show. And yep, I want to respond to that with two things. First of all, is that he is physically uh, healed from that. I know he had what, what five surgeries or whatever from that. Uh, he is going through a year of therapy to get back the the nerve as the nerve grows back and he's doing the therapy twice a week to make sure that when the nerve goes grows back it he doesn't just have a hook for a hand mm-hmm. that it's actually a, able to move so that is the other reason why i'm up here is because he cannot hold a chainsaw you need two hands for a chainsaw he cannot do that so i am he's he loves to be the the back end support so you know he's making sure it's fueled and and oiled and ready to go but i'm the one that actually has to operate it he cannot uh we also had evil zombie slayer that brought up a comment that was when you're talking about how you're getting your audio in for streaming and whatnot uh he said you can actually use your phone as a computer for your audio interface if you have a USB adapter for it. When I was moving my computer one time, that was the best option for being able to record for this. I just used an Android app called USB Audio Recorder Pro, and it works great for me when I don't need a video component worth checking out as a backup. Now, this actually kind of harkens way back to the early days of Better Podcasting because SP used to tell a story about how he used an adapter on an old Samsung phone that he had. So he basically did this same idea, but we haven't talked about it since then because we recognize that a good portion of our audience are using Apple phones as well. And to be fair, we don't also use any adapters generally on our Android phones with a few exceptions. Oh, sorry. I have an Android phone. He has an iPhone, but we, we don't generally use a lot of adapters on our phones just because we tend to find ourselves as podcasters have a computer there while we're recording. Yeah, I had a, a Note 3, and it, honestly, it was a year or two old at that time, and I was on vacation, so it was my first attempt at being mobile. I had a Zoom H6, so I was using a bunch of convoluted methods to actually record a episode of Voices of Defiance. This was pre-better podcasting, so yeah, I, I definitely did that, and uh, my hat's off to anybody that either has to resort to that or is techy enough to want to do it, but I think in this day and age, just get yourself a P4 if you can afford it, and that is the best way forward. But yes, it, you can still podcast that way. Also, um, Evil Zombie Slayer said, uh, how effective is wall insulation placed in wooden panels for sound dampening and removing reverb if I hang those on the wall in front of me versus just using one-inch thick acoustic foam on my walls? Now, neither of us have a lot of experience with this specifically, but we have had a few people talk with us 
over the years about some of the methods that they've done. Uh, SP, do you want to take a crack at this? And I know you're going to mention traps as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. My son actually bought a bunch of traps because he was having a neighbor that loved his base. So he bought traps in his place, which mitigated it, but didn't completely get rid of it. I do want to go back to the normal installation thing. So I can't talk specifically about the installation, but what I can talk about is in if you're building a house or remodeling a house, like my workout room right now, if I wanted to finish that off, would I, or maybe even before I finished it off, what I want to do is I want to put some R19, at least R19 installation in there to act as a audio insulator between the great room, which is right upstairs and the office where I podcast in is right above there too, and the workout room. So if somebody's down there, they're using the 5.1 a sound system to really jam out, then the people that are above it will be less impacted. You're going to be impacted a little bit, but less impacted. So along those lines, if you wanted to do basically sound traps and make wooden frames and put like R19 insulation in there, I would give it a go, see how well it did. I would think that you'd have to be very careful about the interface, the surface of it, because if you like gloss it over with a piece of paper, like a piece of glossy paper, the sound waves are just going to bounce right off of it. Uh, you'll have some impact, but really with sound waves and electromagnetic waves, both, what really is the benefit is when the sound goes into it and gets trapped in it. So you have to have some sort of permutation into it. And that's the big thing as well. It can't just be a cushion with like a flat surface. Like if you put a piece of plywood over it, then that's going to mitigate a lot of what the insulation is. On the other side, it's going to be mitigated even further. But if you're in the room itself, you aren't going to get the benefit of it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I also think I would be curious as well about if you're using, say, wood to mount the insulation, like as the backing. I think that could also have a negative impact as well, potentially when your sound goes through the insulation and then hits that wood surface. I almost wonder if it would be better going through the insulation into drywall, for example. But I, I, I don't know. Bangs Naughty Bits in the chat brings up if you're trying to stop sound penetrating from outside the environment, inside wherever you're recording, we'll just call it your studio. Mm. So from the outside your studio, inside. Yeah, I, I agree. That would be a benefit. But I also think having sound is having some sort of permeable sound deadening inside your recording space is going to be even better because it's just going to trap that sound and you're going to reduce reflections and have the ultimate benefit from it. But that, it's not going to hurt having it in the walls. That's for sure. Uh, also, we were talking in the chat about your audio, and I was saying how what they're hearing now is not going to be what they hear in the final product because of the video ninja stuff going on. And uh, I said I was explaining that I was looking forward to getting your raw tracks and playing with them, as I mentioned a few minutes ago. And uh, Johnny Pennington said, ah, yes, the maestro of recording, quote, fixes, end quote. I, I'm assuming he's referring to me, to which I will respond and say that the best fix for better podcasting is to delete my own track. That's the best fix. We'll have to put that for a vote on the better <laughs> podcasting Twitter account. And lastly, bangs, naughty bit said quick. What's the best podcasting? Mike, I have $20. <laughs> uh, your normal smartphone microphone. Yeah. Like for, for 20 bucks, if that's the only thing you've got, well, we can't recommend you a microphone. We can recommend you a $20 XLR microphone, but hey, where are you going to plug it into? Yeah. All right. So here's the last thing that we have is a while ago. I think it was actually the most recent episode of the Better Podcasting Live Chat. I'm, I gave my first thoughts on the Elgato Wave Arm LP. That's what it is. And on there is a bit of a door where you run your cable and that metal door sticks down with magnets. That's what happens is it just attaches to the magnets that are in there. And that got us talking, specifically SP, with his wonderful rocket scientist brain, thinking about what could the impact be of having the magnets next to the cable? Well, SP? Yeah, so I said I have a very powerful magnet and I can use it in 
proximity to the XLR cable. I said I wasn't going to be getting near any of my electronic devices. So I have a very powerful magnet that I use for magnet fishing. It's a 2,600 pound magnet, and it is in my hand right now, staying as far away from any electronics <laughs> as I can get it. I also have the cord that's coming out of the back of my microphone to the P4, and we're going to do a little test. I am hitting the cord with the magnet, so I'm pulling the magnet back and forth. Okay, so that's a moving magnet. I'm also going to move the magnet along the length of the cord for a second. Sounds like you're shuffling your feet. I know, it does, doesn't <laughs> it? So that's that. Now, I'm going to leave the magnet next to the XLR cable, cable, cable and I'm just going to have it static. It's not going to move. So now I think you should talk. So I'm I'm going to be talking here, and uh, we'll see if it's distorted. I don't see, I don't hear anything different, but uh, it's no big surprise to me because I do have some advanced academic knowledge of magnetic fields and electronic fields of the electromagnetic spectrum. Um, and I should have thought of this when I first made the statement: if the magnets are static, they're going to have a magnetic field around it but it's not going to be moving. And as you just heard, most of the issue was when I was actually moving the magnet across the XLR cable. So yes, that's going to provide some distortion, but if it's just static, especially that this is a huge magnet, <laughs> the magnets that are in your microphone arm are a fraction, a tiny fraction, less than 1% of the strength of this. This is, this can lift a car basically. And the magnets in your microphone arm will be lucky if they lift a pencil. So <laughs> I think the, the whole magnetic distortion thing that I brought up, it was worth discovering. It was worth looking into, but I think it's just going to be fine. A question for you, because I first off, I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad we speculated it because I didn't think about it. And I'm glad that you're you're theorizing that it is only moving because once you did that test for me pre-show hint, he did a test for me pre-show. My basic knowledge was that the moving would be exactly like you described. That would be where the issue was. But uh, what about and maybe you can do this test. What if you were to take that magnet while you're recording and put it up to your hard drive? Do you want to give that a test? No, <laughs> don't do that. Audio listener or video viewer. Do not do that. Don't put it near electronics. Seriously, things can go wrong, especially ladder hard drives. Don't do it. Yeah. Matter of fact, it comes with a, a very robust case carrying case that acts as an insulator. As soon as we're done with this, I'm going to put it back in the case and I'm going to put it in a place. Now, here's the other thing. My dad has a pacemaker and he has requested that this be nowhere near him at all. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it in my car and keep it in my car. Uh, I did try to uh, magnet fish with my nephew. He didn't seem entirely ish, uh, interested in it. So it's just going to go back with me back home and away from my dad because I'm not going to have my dad's pacemaker impacted by this, yeah. which it would be. If he got near this, if he put it up next to his chest, his pacemaker would stop working. So I am, I'm not going to do that. I just since I had it here for the lake fishing anyway, I decided that, well, let's do this test now too. So that's why we did it. And I think uh, a lot of people were mildly interested. I know Damien was interested. So that was for you guys. And uh, we're calling it case closed right now. I was interested too. Thanks so much, SP. That made my day. Well, that's going to go ahead and take us to the end of Better Podcasting Live Chat. If you don't check out the Better Podcasting main show, you can check that out at betterpodcasting.com. But we also have a Discord server where we talk about all sorts of things when we're not recording. You can come over to betterpodcasting.com forward slash Discord. Check that out there. And hey, on the next episode of Better Podcasting, we will have a bit of a bit of a announcement of some form uh, that you can check out on that. And then um, we'll follow up with that on the next Better Podcasting live chat. So that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for this episode. Before we go, SP, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote? Um, really just have fun with your podcasting. That's the big thing I have to say. And normally I wouldn't be podcasting here on the road, but uh, we wanted to make a special exception for this specifically to go over the P4. So that's why we did this one. 
All right, so for episode 39 of Better Podcasting Live Chat, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, now I need a really big magnet. I'm SP saying, I just hope you have some fun. Get out there, have fun. It's going to be winter soon. It's going to be cold. Have fun now. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.